I did the workshop and I was all, all things were going well, but I was again, I did the workshop. I was kind of getting, listening, looking at the WhatsApps, but I wasn't engaging. And three months later, I had that not this moment where I was driving to work. August the 17th, ice cold day, head out the window, absolutely desperately feeling so, so, so sick, so hung over, sick to my stomach, sick to my head, sick to every part of me. And, and again, it was like I had that moment of not this, not this, this is not what you were put on this earth to do. And you've got to really change things up. And of course, having a not this moment, I then asked myself, so if not this, then what? Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober Podcast, episode 158. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last seven years, we've helped thousands of people to do just that. My guest this week is a very special member of our Tribe Sober team. I first met Lynette LaRue when she came to one of our workshops more than five years ago. She was in a dark place back then, but the workshop was the catalyst she needed to change everything. We still run our workshops, and if you'd like to learn more about them, please go to tribesober.com and hit our services. The next one is on April the 22nd. So back to Lynette, who's been transforming and enriching her life for the last five years. She's found her passion and qualified as a coach. And for the last three years, she's been working for Tribe Sober as our coach. She turned 60 last week, and it's been such a joy to see her soaring into her 60s. Happy birthday from your tribe, Lynette. I know the next decade is going to be an extraordinary one for you. I began our conversation by asking her to introduce herself. I'm married. I live with my beautiful husband in Mauritius. We have two boys who are grown and two beautiful grandsons. I, I now run my own coaching practice, which I love and it excites me. And I wake up every day looking forward to, to the day, knowing I've got these beautiful clients. And that was very different five and a half years ago. When did you start drinking? Were you a teenage drinker? My first time that I recall the absolute comfort from alcohol was when I was nine years old. 
I had won these two little bottles, one of, of whiskey and one of brandy at a church bazaar. So it was a big hamper and they had these two little bottles in there. And why? I, I don't know, but I took them and I put them in my drawer next to my bed. And at night I would take a little swig and I would feel so comforted. Um, I think I had a lot of very isolated feelings when I was small. I went to boarding school when I was five. In, in a weird way, reflecting back now, it was a way of nurturing and, and feeling held. That was my first recollection of it. And then for my, most of my teenage years, I didn't drink. I had kidney problems, so I got very ill during my teenage years. And then during my 20s, when I met a man who liked his whiskey, was when I started to really flirt with with alcohol I always had a sense of not really being comfortable in my own skin and people found me very aloof and not easy easy to relate to and suddenly I discovered when I was drinking I was it was easier to feel comfortable it was easier to go to parties I thought that was my little magic pill magic the potion to to feeling good about myself then of course the relationship just went sour and more and more sour alcoholic rages and ended up with me pregnant and him leaving and then me saying one of the first times I'm gonna I'm gonna change my life the next years were fine and then I went back to work I went into a career where Everybody there liked to have their drinks after work. I started finding a way to socialize with alcohol. And again, very quickly went down that road and was drinking quite excessively, especially on weekends when my boys were not with me. So I would party those weekends and then resolve to stop. And then I met my my, my now husband, my my beautiful Johan, and he just didn't like drinking and he didn't like me when I was drunk, which was quite interesting. And I, and I suddenly felt very uncomfortable. So went through stretches of not drinking and I got into my 40s and the drinking started really sneaking up. And when I think back, you know, Brene Brown speaks about that moment in your 40s when you're not doing what you were called to do when you feel like life is passing you by and you've lived more than half your life and you think, is this really it? I hit that in my 40s and I started drinking over it. I went on lots of personal development programs and workshops, swimming with dolphins, doing this kind of workshop, uh, women's workshops, and then always found myself afterwards being fine for a couple of months and then going back to drinking very slow, very quickly back into the mix. And I couldn't understand why. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just get my act together? Because now reflecting back, the one thing I didn't do was integrate my learnings. It was very passive. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to just go do all these things. Yeah, yes, you're swimming with a dolphin. You feel like you've got a new neural pathway. And, and then what? When you're drinking, you can't really integrate it, can you? Because you, you haven't got that connection with yourself that you need for the deep work. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
And so eventually out of desperation went and did plant medicines because I realized I was, lo I was losing my, my marriage, my, my children, my relationships with my close children, my friends. I had friends that would say to me, you know, sweetie, maybe you should go for therapy. And I was like, been there, done that. <laughs> and just really in a very downward spiral. That was my late 40s going into my early 50s. And then did the plant medicines as a way to fix me. It was so interesting. Now I look back and I was, you were always hoping for the easy fix. You know, like yeah. alcohol, alcohol was like the easy way to yeah. feel good. Now you wanted the easy way. Just, yes, it might take a little bit of vomiting with the ayahuasca, but then you'll be fixed. <laughs> not true, not true. I did the workshop and I was, all, all things were going well, but I was, again, I did the workshop. I was kind of getting, listening, looking at the WhatsApps, but I wasn't engaging. And three months later, I had that not this moment where I was driving to work. August the 17th, ice cold day, head out the window, absolutely desperately feeling so, so, so sick, so hungover sick to my stomach, sick to my head, sick to every part of me. And, and again, it was like I had that moment of not this, not this. This is not what you were put on this earth to do. And you've got to really change things up. And, of course, having a not this moment, I then asked myself, so if not this, then what? Well, the first thing I came up with was just get reconnected go to the coffee meetup, start there. So for many people, that's a really good place to start is to, with, with Tribe Sober, is to really click into the WhatsApp groups and start engaging, come to the coffee meetups, come to the Zoom cafes. There you never know what you will hear because that's where I heard one of the, the members say, when I was lamenting a couple of months in that I was feeling so low and that life had lost its color and that I had no energy and that I was in constant pain. And she said to me, it's your brain and your body recalibrating and healing. And that became my mantra. Every day when I was feeling really crap and I didn't have a good night's sleep, I would just say, it's all good. My, my body and my brain are recalibrating. Now I know why that was so powerful because it was a, a, a very powerful thought and a believable thought. I believed it. And then, I, and then from that thought, I started taking the actions to yeah. heal my body and my mind and uh, discovered coaching. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of people on the WhatsApp groups that um, – just lurk don't they 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 yes. read all the messages and they don't really participate but there's very often just a comment like that one that you read about healing your brain and recalibrating that it just resonates so deeply and and you can hold on to that for months which you obviously did yeah so when people are posting on there and they try and they're holding back maybe a little bit it's you just don't know whose life you're going to change with what you're going to share from your heart. Such exactly. a powerful tool. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. 
So that first year of sobriety, uh, was it very difficult for you? Physically and mentally it was because I was still very, un- I was very unhappy in my work. I didn't have a good relationship at all with some colleagues and with, with my boss. I still was very much in victim mode. I, I thought if only I, I changed my job or if only I, I, you know, but who would hire somebody my age? So I, I still had a lot of the thoughts and the beliefs that kept me stuck. And uh, I didn't believe that I could change my career or my life at that stage. And it was only when I went to coaching that I suddenly got a glimpse that maybe I could. And again, it was Nick at the coffee meetup that said to me, why don't you just do a coaching certification? You don't know where that can lead. It's something you're drawn to. Speak to Janet. Maybe you can coach for Tribe Sober. Just put it out there. Just put it out there. And I'm so grateful to that past me that did step up and did do it and did go for it. And at the time, I then also came across the Life Coach School and the, the, the coaching model that Brooke Castillo was teaching, which absolutely blew my mind because one of the first things she said was, if you're unhappy in your marriage or your career, that's not the time to leave. It's your responsibility, your happiness. It's what you making things mean. So if you leave any situation unhappy, you're going to take that same unhappy you into the next one. And, and so I started really working on that, on showing, I mean, she, was, she would challenge me, like, what would the best version of yourself do? How would she show up in a job that you perceive as boring and routine? How, how would she show up? Yeah, and, that's, that's very interesting, Lynette. I was just thinking back to my days as an HR director. And I would sometimes advise um, employees, and, and I took that advice myself, that they shouldn't leave because they're, they're fed up. They should leave on a high, you know, leave yes. on a high, and then they'll find another job easily, and they can go into that interview and say, well, I love my job, you know, but now I'm ready for a change. Far better than saying, oh, I left because, you know, I didn't like the people. Because, you know, when I've interviewed people yes. and they've said that, I thought, mm. <laughs> so it's, it's really good advice that, yeah. Before you went to study coaching, you were coached, weren't you? Just talk to yes. us about how you discovered coaching and decided to, to go for it. I was lamenting to a friend about how unhappy I was with everything. And she said to me, why don't you try coaching? And that she had a she had a friend who just finished a coach uh, certification and was looking for people to coach. I said, "Well, why not? What have I got to lose? I've done therapy. I've been doing. I've done gone to uh, psychologists. Let me see about coaching." And I was very surprised because at my first coaching session, I started to talk about all my childhood traumas and all the things, and she was like. <laughs> And I mean, that's not what coaching is about. I'm like, oh, then what is it? And then remember thinking afterwards, oh, my gosh, that felt so hard. It was like I was so exhausted at the end of the session because um, she really got me thinking and asking questions, 
which were not that easily accessible to me because nobody had ever asked me those thoughts before. Yeah, she yeah. was challenging my beliefs and she was challenging my thinking. I mean, one question was, you know, are you willing to be wrong? What? Who ever asks you that question? <laughs> and, and the thing is, most of us hold on so tightly to our beliefs because our brain doesn't like to be wrong. Because if you're wrong, it means something is wrong with us. Exactly, exactly. So if anyone's listening to this and they're not quite sure what coaching is and what the difference is between coaching and therapy, can you uh, talk about that for a moment, please? Uh, yes. So in a nutshell, coaching helps you get perspective on your life and your mind. So it's really moving forward towards uh, your future self, it's, it's moving towards a growth mindset. So the past is, you might just touch on it in certain ways that it may, maybe there might be patterns from it, but we don't go into the past. We, we look to the future. It's very future focused, present and future focused. Very empowering. Another way to really look at it is like a tennis coach. A tennis player has a coach who's able to have a second set of eyes on okay that's how you that this is how we can change up your game those are the that's where we need to tweak it you kind of every time you serve you kind of do a little funny movement so a coach is somebody who's got and it's an it's a different set of eyes it's another set of eyes that can really help you look at your brain I often say to my clients it's you and me on the couch and we you're just going to take your brain out for a moment and put it between us and then you're going to look what's going on in there because we are just it's just the sentences that um, are, are in our brain that are, cre are creating our discomforts actually yeah yeah so you've been sober for more than five years now how's your life developed over the last five years well i eventually left my job on a high <laughs> Yes, excellent. Uh, it, and really mended relationships there and loved it. And I mean, they even paid for my first coaching certification or paid towards it. So it was amazing how once I changed my mindset there, my whole work environment changed. It's like uh, Paolo Cujo says, you know, when you evolve, everything around you evolves very strangely. My relationship with my husband is just went through such a deep reconnection. And, and most of all, I rediscovered myself. I rediscovered my values, what lights me up, my joy. I discovered my, that I had a strength and a strength and resilience that I wasn't aware of. And I now do what I always knew Deep down, from when I was small, I always knew that I wanted to work with people and that I wanted to create impact and that I wanted to be an example of what is possible when you do do the deeper work. Wonderful. Going back to early sobriety, we yeah. both suffered from anhedonia, didn't we? And I know yes. that a lot of people do. Talk, mm. talk to us about anhedonia and how, of course, to get through it. Yes. Anhedonia creeps upon you very subtly for some. Uh, for me, I just suddenly started losing motivation. The brain and the body are recalibrating. 
you know, it's now maybe three months down the line and you may have been in a pink cloud from coming off the alcohol and your body was feeling so much better not being on the alcohol and then suddenly there's a drop because your body and your brain need to learn again how to create these beautiful neurotransmitters that motivate you. Dopamine motivates you. And if you don't feel motivated, it, it's, a, it's a sure sign of low dopamine levels. Serotonin is feeling accomplished. So if you're not really going out and doing things or working on little, little goals and you're just coming home every night, you just stop drinking and you eating and what Netflixing, which was kind of what I did in the first three months. I just would come home and watch Netflix with my husband and not drink. That is like 10% of the work. The 90% is the trans in a transformation and anhedonia really calls that. So when that happens, nothing's gone wrong. It just means, okay, we now need to really look at how to heal the brain and the body. If it's dopamine, how do I, how do I build more motivation? There's, there are beautiful, it's a beautiful nutritional program that you can go on. You can eat healthier food. So, so often in early sobriety, we start eating junk food. Most of us have leaky gut because we've abused our, our stomach and our, our whole intestine, intestinal tract. It gets damaged from constant alcohol abuse. So we need to fix it. And all these beautiful transmitters are also are generated through our gut. You know, talk about gut health being so important. So if we're not absorbing our vitamin Bs and our dopamine and serotonin, the, the nutrients that build the dopamine and serotonin, we're starting on a very low baseline. Yes, we can start generating it from our thoughts and from our actions. So interesting, uh, when I learned that our thoughts and our feelings create a neurotransmitter. And why that's so important. So just um, looking at the neuroscience, Hebb's law is that we can change our brain and our neural pathways if we understand that the stronger we link it, the more we create the pathway. So a thought and a feeling that we link, the more we think it, the stronger we link it, we create the neural pathway, which can move both ways. So if we have a lot of negative thoughts, even those, when we solve for them, will create a bit of dopamine. But it also creates inflammation. So learning how to create the thoughts and the feelings that inspire us and motivate us to move forward, to, to go for healing, to eat better, those thoughts and feelings will release healthier baseline dopamine and serotonin oxytocin. I mean, oxytocin, you can actually get just from a, thinking a thought about your pet. You have the thought and you have the feeling and a feel-good neurotransmitter gets released, which is why I'm so passionate about really getting to understand the power of your beautiful brain and not to just have it go unsupervised. You want to supervise it. You want to learn how to work with it and let it work for you. And then it's so powerful, isn't it? Yes, yes. So anhedonia, if you've got it, it's just a data point. It's like, okay, we need to recalibrate here. We need to be healing here. What can we do? Often a really good time to engage a coach. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. 
It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at TribeSober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at TribeSober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. Yeah, yeah. And to understand that it, it will pass, you know, you're not yes. going to be in that flat state for, for very long. When we get sober, we can think about other areas of, in our life, can't we? You know, our eating and our exercise yes. plan. And if we just can make a little program for self-improvement, uh, just always doing something and making progress towards a goal, that, that's all it takes. And as you say, working with a coach will keep you on track and make sure that you, you're doing those things and getting results. So you've been coaching for Tribe Sober for three years, four years, isn't it? Something like that. Three years, yeah. Three years, yeah. And you've got so many clients in Tribe Sober and certainly many fans in Tribe Sober. So everybody's very excited about your new program that you've developed. So before you go into detail about that, because this is a group coaching program, talk to us about group coaching and how that differs from one-to-one coaching yeah so in group coaching you often get to observe somebody else being coached and because you're not so in it you can actually get the learning much easier you can almost witness the other person being coached and and often you can see yourself in the other person's problem or dilemma so I always found group coaching incredibly powerful if it's a small group where you're constantly coaching and working together you you start to build more deeper connection and trust. But I think the most powerful way of group coaching is that you don't necessarily have to be coached yourself to get the to get the transformation. You can observe and witness somebody else being coached and it can impact you in the same way. Yeah. Uh, that's it's such an interesting dynamic. I've been in group coaching courses as well. So talk to us about path to purpose. How is it structured and who is it for and who isn't it for? Okay, so it's really a guide to show you a path to transformation. It's a path to purpose. It's the path to the life of your dreams. That was my whole idea behind it. And I really wanted to create a, a space for, for people who want to do the deeper work to do the transformative work, to do the practices, to get emotional sobriety, to have a platform for that. That's why I created it. And I also wanted it to be really a a small space of co-creation, a sacred space where we really are going to see what comes up, you know, in, in the coaching session. So it's going to be structured. I've got some content that I want to uh, explore and teach. Uh, definitely want to teach uh, the the self-coaching model or the coaching model and explain to people how their world works, how it works for them and how they use their brains to interpret things around them. So I want to really give them that tool. I find it so powerful. And really then the outcome is to have a practice, to have a practice that you can carry on with in your life. So looking at how do we create more Um, vitality and energy how do we energize through our bodies and our minds surfacing our limiting beliefs is going to be a big one or our 
strongly held beliefs, challenging them, and then really on purpose starting to practice the beliefs that are going to move us forward or going to move you forward if you're on the, on the workshop because you're going to uncover your drinking thinking. <laughs> oh, nice, yes. And then we're going, to, we're going to create the identity of you that doesn't drink, that prefers not to drink. We want to create that, that you and, and that you will think in a certain way, will feel certain things, will take certain actions. So it's really, we're really going to dive into creating her or him. Well, it's all hers. It's all ladies at this stage. So we're going to Is create it, yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, we're going to create her. So looking what, at identity, really. Because uh, it's such a powerful thing, isn't it? This identity. I think we, a lot of us struggled with that when we gave up drinking because we'd identified as this kind of party, hard drinking person. And you take that away and who who actually are we? <laughs> exactly. And so that's why I, always, I, I love to use the analogy of the, the caterpillar. You know, the caterpillar consumes yeah. and eventually... Um, spins its cocoon and dissolves and becomes the womb of the butterfly. And so in a way, we need to do the same thing. We need to shed our caterpillar and we need to become the butterfly. And so the question is, like, who is the butterfly of you? Who is she going to be? Um, And be going to marinate the marination of everything you've been through is going to be part of what's going to create her. Yeah, it's so exciting. And I love the co-creation angle of it, you know, putting eight people, is it about eight people? No, 10 people, isn't it? 10 people, Together that a couple of them might know each other a bit, but mostly it's probably strangers that don't know each other on a deep level. And you're all going to take this deep dive together for, is it eight weeks you've structured it, eight sessions? Yes, it's eight weeks of um, two sessions a week. So there'll be um, sun. We'll, we'll be starting on a Sunday. So Sunday teaching, and Fridays just coaching and evaluating and assessing what worked in the week, what didn't. Um, so we can tweak things. So because we have wonderful tools, I'll be there'll be all these tools that I'll have as resources. You know the tools of how to play the movie forward, how to plan for an upcoming event, what to do when you slip. Those are the those are the tools that we have access to, but then when we put them into practice, we may need to tweak them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. So your first pod is um, full or almost full, isn't it? So where are you now with your applications? Because I know that it starts 30th of April, we're recording this uh, early April. Mm-hmm. So are you still taking applications or is there a wait list? How, how does it work if someone's listening to this and, and wants to to know more or to sign up? Yeah, so I think if someone is re- – so the pod is full. So we are it, – it, it's amazing. It's just an amazing woman in the pod and so excited um, for each one of them to be there and for them to get to know each other. So it's going to be – really, really um, an intimate space, and I can already feel the juiciness of it. I have a waiting list, and so if you really are interested and you, this is really calling you and you, and you want to take a deep dive, set up an exploratory call with me. Contact me at coaching at tribesober.com 
and let's see where you are at and we'll take it from there. And do people have to be sober to sign up? Tell me about the mix of people you have. Are they sober people or are they people that are struggling? Are they a mix? Definitely a mix. I know you don't have to be sober. So what I'm finding is that most people have had sober stretches, have tried many times and have almost lost the belief that they can do it. Some have had a one-year or two-year stretches, three months, four months, and then always say we always go back to drinking. And so I, I really understand understand that. So there are some of the people on the pod are like this. Some are, are still struggling and are really wanting to get to the deeper reasons and the deeper work to change their mindset around the drinking. And then there are some people in the pod that are actually have ditched the drink for a long time already and are, have been sober for a good two years and are still sober, but are, are feeling fragile in some areas in their life and feel that they could really benefit from this work. Interesting. Yeah, I think, well, just as with the Tribe Sober community, we have such value by having people at all stages of the journey, don't we? We've got people that have had years of sobriety and then brand new people. And I love the way that people say sometimes, well, when I was at that stage, this is what helped me. So you're going to have definitely some cross-fertilization going on there. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And that's also why I'm so excited that it is such a mix because, you know, we'll get reminded of how it was in the beginning and at the same time also able to be an example and to to be a beacon of hope to say, hey, you know what, if we did it, so can you. Yeah, yeah. And just being that role model is very empowering as well, isn't it, I think? So, Lynette, let's complete this conversation by hearing about the benefits of sobriety for you. How has it changed your life? Wow, the biggest benefit for me was that that sobriety was actually the springboard to me changing my life completely. Health-wise, I I mentioned earlier that I struggled so much with my health in the first year. Lots of pain, lots of uh, inflammation, leaky gut, low energy. About one and a half years into my sobriety, I realized one day that I was pain-free. And again, it was just one... It's amazing that I can connect the dots now, so... Annie, Annie in her book, Annie Grace in her book, um, The Naked Mind mentions her backache and liminal spaces and that, that she healed her back with a process learned from this doctor who spoke about yeah. liminal spaces. And Nick reminded me of that when I was talking to him about how much ache, how much I ache and, and I've got so much pain and inflammation. And he had backache and we actually started to really apply this to our bodies, you know, just doing these morning yoga stretches and just breathing into the into the pain, love. So I learned about looking through the love lens. That was one of my biggest benefits, learning how to look through the love lens versus the judgment lens. Biggest change for me. And that, and that's also going to be one of the things, my one of the big focus points of the workshop is truly understanding 
how judgment and love cannot live in the, in the same house. In the same way, when we are full of judgments, judgments are get, become trapped energies that literally become trapped in our body. And there's a whole neuroscience behind it as well. But when we are able to accept even our pain and we are able to move into it, move towards it versus away from it, I shouldn't have this. Why have I got so much pain? I just need a pull to fix it. Um, huge. So one of the biggest benefits was for me to really learn about my beautiful mind and also how to feel. When we are addicted and we use substances to numb ourselves, it's because we don't want to feel. We have an un unfeeling problem. Uh, that was a big one for me to discover. I used to think, but I feel so much shame and so much anxiety and But actually, I thought I felt these things. They were, they were vibrations in my body. They were, but I never allowed them or even processed through one of those emotions. I uh, drank over them. And when I really did the work of, okay, let me just be with this shame. Let me just and not try and rationalize it or try and get out of it with my head. Just really be with it and breathe into it and feel the vibration of it being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think it was, and I, I watched uh, Stutz on Netflix. I think he, uh, he's just such a beautiful, heartwarming therapist. But he said there's three things guaranteed in life, and that is uncertainty. We all want certainty, but, but we don't have any certainty. We don't even know if we're going to wake up tomorrow. So uncertainty and pain and work. It's part of life. And yes, and so is joy and happiness and love. But we can't get away from that the uncertainty, the work, and pain. And it's through pain that we really evolve and we grow. And if we can see every time we get triggered or every time we're feeling uncomfortable or every time it's like, oh, I've got to step I've got to step into this uncomfortableness again now. It's an opportunity to grow. Thank you so much, Lynette. What an inspiration you are. Let's pull out a few key points from that conversation. Lynette first tasted alcohol at the tender age of nine. She'd managed to get hold of some of those tiny bottles of whiskey and brandy, which she kept near her bed, and she'd take a sip when she went to bed, as she found it comforted her. Going off to boarding school at the age of five left her with lingering feelings of isolation, a feeling that those little sips chased away. And as she reflects back, she realises that it was a way to feel nurtured and held. She didn't drink much in her teens, but in her twenties she met a guy who loved his whiskey, and she began to keep him company by drinking regularly. Lynette had never really felt comfortable in her own skin, so alcohol helped her to socialise. But sadly, her relationship deteriorated due to her partner's drunken rages, and he left her when she was pregnant. She coped well over the next few years and began to develop her career. The usual after-work drinks culture prevailed, and Lynette fell back into her old patterns. She would drink excessively at the weekends as well as after work. Like many of us, she would resolve to stop or cut down, but nothing really changed. 
Then she met her current husband, who hardly drinks at all. He thought she drank too much, so she tried hard to make a change. She did manage some sober stretches, but as she got into her 40s, the alcohol came back into her life again. Even though she was drinking, Lynette tried a lot of self-development programs during this period. But as she looks back, she realises that she never tried to integrate her learnings into her daily life. This made me reflect on my own career when I would run training courses. I would always follow up with the participants a few weeks later and ask them what they were doing differently as a result of attending the course. Because if we don't apply the learnings, then the courses are just a waste of time and nothing will change. As she moved into her 50s, Lynette became more dependent on alcohol and felt she was losing connection with her husband and her friends. As part of Lynette's ongoing odyssey for a quick fix, she came across our one-day workshop. She attended the workshop, but true to form, she never really engaged. After the workshop, she didn't apply any of the tools or connect via the chat groups, so nothing really changed. But three months after the workshop, she hit rock bottom. She was driving to work and struggling with a terrible hangover, and she had her not this moment. Her not this moment was followed by a if not this, then what moment? So out of desperation, she looked at her Tribe Sober workshop notes and decided to reconnect. She began by going to the coffee meetup and then engaged on the WhatsApp group. After just reading other people's messages for a while, she decided to reach out. She posted a message that she felt really low. Another member explained that she felt that way because her brain was recalibrating and healing. This really resonated with Lynette and became her mantra, recalibrating and healing. Every time she felt low, she just said, recalibrating and healing. Lynette began to study coaching and started to see that perhaps a different way of life was possible. As Lynette has been coached herself and has coached many people, I asked her to explain why coaching is so valuable. Her reply was that coaching helps us to get perspective on our life and our mind. Coaching enables a growth mindset as we move towards our future self. We talked about the benefits she's gained from five years of sobriety. The biggest benefit for Lynette was reconnecting with herself and then developing her passion for coaching. Her relationships with her husband and her friends have improved dramatically. And she's learned so much about her beautiful brain. And she's learned how to feel. She's learned that emotional pain is a sign of growth and she must learn to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's a valuable lesson she's taught all of us here at Tribe Sober. We also agreed that there is so much more to recovery than not drinking. As Lynette said, that's just 10% of the work and you'll never thrive in sobriety if you don't tackle the other 90%. We talked about anhedonia, which is the low mood that sometimes hits in early sobriety. 
For more on dealing with anhedonia, check out Lynette's video on our YouTube channel and the Tribe Sober podcast interview with Dr. Loretta Broining, episode 55 on Apple Podcasts. We talked about the Path to Purpose, which is a brand new group coaching program that Lynette has created this year. On the 30th of April, her first group of 10 people will begin the program. They'll begin to find their path to purpose. The program will last for eight weeks. It will include content, but it will also leave space for co-creation, space to tune into the needs of the group and deal with whatever comes up. If you'd like to know more about the path to purpose, then just go to tribesober.com and hit our services. The next program is fully booked, but you can join the waitlist or you can email Lynette on coaching at tribesober.com to discuss whether it's the right program for you. I'm recording this in early April and April is workshop month. So we have our four hour Zoom workshop coming up on the 22nd of April. It's at a later time than usual to suit our US listeners. And of course, if you prefer to work alone rather than in a group, then check out our online program called Kickstart Your Sober Life. You can find more info about both of these programs on tribesober.com and at our services. Or just drop me a line, janet at tribesober.com. Let me end with a message from one of our chat rooms. We're quite used to getting SOS messages from our members when they're at a social event and feeling tempted to drink. But I think this is the first one that we've got during a car journey. The message is from Lindy. I'm having such a tough Easter weekend. We've been visiting family up the West Coast and the family dynamics were major triggers. On top of that, our baby has been very difficult, probably felt the vibes, which made things even more tough. I managed to stick to my alcohol-free drinks so far, as I know how the movie ends if I dive into the wine. We're on our way back home, but the three-hour drive has now become a five-hour drive. We forgot to give back the keys. Baby is crying non-stop, tired, and hubby, who's driving is aggro due to the crying and the terrible nighttime drivers. Feeling very emotional and upset. Still another one and a half hours to get home. Feels like this trip home is a white knuckle one. I'm not sure if I want to hit something or if I want to cry. I think most of us have been in a similar situation at some point in our lives, so we could really empathise. The messages of comfort came flooding in from Mexico and the US, as well as from here in SA. Lindy's been sober for a while and is unlikely to cave now, but I guess her message just emphasises the fact that even though we are sober, we still have challenges to cope with, and we still have a tribe to connect to. So that's it from me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. 
It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.